everyone. Uh, Tom, the head at Heads on Sticks. I hope you're keeping well. And uh, I hope you're as thrilled as I am for the second episode of uh, Heads on Sticks Chats uh, featuring uh, synth pop and kind of media, multimedia artist and sensation Clippy. Uh, they're from... They, they jump between Nashville and Georgia, Athens and Georgia, I, I do believe. And uh, I think they're great and I've been really looking forward to ch- chatting to them for a long time. Um, and I kind of, I was hooked almost straight away when I saw their album cover for Consensual Hits. Uh, and I was like, right, that's going in my t- must listen to list. And uh, I did listen and I loved it. I thought it was just fizzy, pugnacious and bold synth pop and just uh, just real had a real euphoria to it, a real uh, elation to it, and I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a really great record, and it's in my contender so far for one of the best of the year. So there you go. Um, and upon doing a bit more research on Clippy, I kind of soon discovered that Clippy was one of many aliases and alter egos by AC Carter. I don't even know if AC Carter is their real name. Uh, even, even. Uh, the real identity is a bit of a mystery to me, which I, I which I like. I find that kind of interesting. And uh, there's a whole world of arts and uh, characters. There's a distinguished academic called Vixine Martine, which uh, uh, interviewed Clippy in in uh, in promotion for their debut album, which uh, which I like. I thought it was I thought it was really cool. Uh, curator of Adverse Festival, uh, model, uh, creates lots of like fashion garments. Um, so uh, Clippy is a bit of a world, and uh, and I'm really keen to get in there and uh, find out more about it. And I hope you are too. Right. So heads of sticks chats number two. Clippy. Let's walk and roll.
<laughs> I'm good. How are you? Should I dress you as Tom? Should I dress you as Thomas or Tom? Uh, oh, Tom. Yeah. My, my, I think my great nan used to call me Thomas. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But, uh, Just because I saw it on, I saw two different uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. names. Yeah. Um, uh, you haven't seen it yet, but uh, I do like a, I do like sort of a bespoke artwork for each uh, for each guest. So uh, I don't know whether it's all that. Oh like, hell yeah! Yeah, but the thing is, that you haven't seen it yet because it's not been out yet. But I've got I've got you as um, like kind of like Link, like a like a Link Peter Pan sort of thing. I love that. That's yeah, perfect. Yeah. But you're uh, you're holding a mask, and the mask is uh, Doctor Martine. Nice. Hell yeah! yeah. So that, that's, I that's, love that. That's uh, that's that's what I'm going for. Um, so I, I'm I'm actually uh, despite. Obviously, we'll talk about Clippy more, but like, I'm actually quite interested in Vixine Martine. Yeah, she was a character that I developed while I was in graduate school to figure out a way for me to communicate me as a musical artist to a predominantly uh, like art related background because I was in an art master's program program trying to argue is like okay so why are you making pop music again mm-hmm. um and she was a good vehicle for me to talk about gender and identity as well as to be able to act as like an art critic um looking at clippy as an artist working in both music and visual art there's so many art papers and essays from visual art critics and they're talking about the importance of music um, in relation to scenes or the power that it has to like um, affect people's emotions in really vulnerable ways, et cetera, et cetera. And so again, she was like a really good way for me to enact um, and communicate my ideas in in an academic setting. Right, yeah. and. It is is Vixine Martine a character that we're going to see more of? Is she going to be popping up? Is she going to be because I know there's a very very quite an impressive academic paper, by the way. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> give give my give my uh, uh, what's the what's the word? But like uh, big props to Dr. Martine. Do do have a word with her. Say say that the top. Yeah, notes. I'll make sure to tell her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, beyond beyond the academic paper. It, is there any more uh, room or, or potential for, for her to be kind of weaved in and out of your world a little bit? I think so. You know, there's an interview that Vixine is interested um, for this art uh, magazine called Number Magazine. It's like a Southern regional uh, publication in the US that she's interested in doing an interview with Clippy and sort of like new developments or even talking about the most recent record mm. so so she'll stop she'll definitely still be popping up yeah and is she still stalking Clippy? oh i don't know she might be she's kind of taking like a little bit of a hiatus online yeah. i think she just got overwhelmed with the pandemic and was like holy crap i can't believe i'm fucking getting my mfa and it's like nothing even fucking happened. So I think she's like taking some time to reflect and go, what do I really want in my life? Um, we've, we've all been doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I know you've got a former 
uh, well, I, I don't know whether it's re- I don't know whether retired so much, but I know Lambda Celsius was a ne- was a name an alias that you went under. What what yeah? What separated um, Lambda Celsius from Clippy? I think humor, okay. humor, and allowing for um, satire, more satire. I think Lambda Celsius and the music I was writing as. Lambda Celsius was more academic or more serious, even if the sounds I were using were still pretty goofy, but I think the lyricism was was more serious. While Clippy allows themselves to be more satirical, more funny, letting themselves laugh to talk about serious issues. Because I do think that humor can be a powerful vehicle to communicate really scary things that you know happen in your own life like traumatic events or abusive events um yeah, yeah. no that, that makes loads of sense and is clippy is clippy more freeing is, is there, is, there a, is clippy more a more liberating exercise for you yeah yeah at the time i, I felt like I couldn't allow, when I was at Lambda Celsius, I, performing as Lambda Celsius, I couldn't allow for things to be too funny unless it was like in a very narrow sort of playing field. And I needed a little bit more room to um, to expand and grow and to like even find my, my own self and like, how do I want to present myself to an audience and what what's even just more fun for me personally mm. um yeah. yeah and clippy seeing yeah clippy's definitely more more in that vein right, but there's right. still similarities with lambda celsius like i think orange has definitely been like a visual color i use a lot and i'm still talking about the same subject matter it's just communicated a lot more differently mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean i guess any any artist has their has their core values and sensibilities, you know. Um, yeah, I should I, send you some. I should send you some old Lambda Celsius recordings. I'll be like, oh, this is more like post punk, and Clippy is definitely more pop. And I've always been trying to write pop music, but I couldn't do it till as of recently. And now I'm I'm fucking loving it. I love oh, really? pop music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to hear some old, uh, some of your old, some of your <laughs> earlier stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you find so? What? Why? Why? Why did you come to pop a bit later? Like, did, was it was it intimidating? I think part of it was intimidating, or I felt like it was too because pop. This is weird. I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to rebuttal myself. Okay. Is pop seems two of the mainstream and not actually saying something important and just like as a capitalist like oh we know this sells so this product we'll just like push it push it push it like what is it actually doing to society is it benefiting it okay do i really think that maybe sure yeah at times but a lot of that music like the reason why it is good like there is something sonic about it that makes it good. Like I like Dua Lipa. I do now. I'm like, oh fuck yeah, I'll listen to this record. I understand 
why people find it attractive visually through like a lens of entertainment. Um, and I think that if you do, are in the like in the the lane of pop music because it is the language I would say of like everyday people like you can more readily communicate um, your ideas or it's like something even more serious than just being like oh I'm trying to think of what is a really dumb mundane pop song that's just like sword that is just like why the fuck I don't get it but, 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 then, we, but we wouldn't remember it would we. Yeah, I know. I don't that's remember. Why, that's why we can't think of it. But like, you, but you hear it all the time. It's like it's like wallpaper shopping mall music, isn't it? It's just kind of, it's just a, it's just a part of the charts landscape. But it's, you know, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't do anything. But I think it's interesting as well because you, you're talking. If if I'm correct, me if I'm wrong, but you're, are you sort of implying or alluding to the idea that pop, as a medium, it can be a very powerfully subversive thing. And, yeah. Uh, because it kind of remind, you, you reminded me of a quote from um, Martin Gore from Depeche Mode. Where, oh, yeah. oh uh, whoa! Tell me, tell me. Okay, yeah. Well, they're talking about uh, people. Um, people uh, are people. No, no, sorry, no, it's not that one. It's uh, what's the one about S and M? Oh, Master and Servant. Master and Servant. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the quote is. Um, oh yeah. And he goes, you know, you can get away with anything if you give it a good tune. <laughs> you can get away with. All those songs, like literally the Depeche Mode, that is, they're a pop group. They're so important. I love them. They're oh, definitely like. I'm mad. I'm mad on them. Yeah, I am. Um, uh, absolutely. I'm trying to, I'm trying to chat to news radio and trying to get, I want, I want to do like a 40th anniversary special, but it's just nonstop mode. You'd have to, have to keep your oh, eyes peeled. <laughs> hell yeah. Oh my God. Martin Gore is putting out some new stuff. Did I did. Hear? I did see that. Yeah, uh, but it's like it's more like techno. It's more like techno electronic sort of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's cool. They keep. They all keep working. I love Depeche Mode. They're like all those songs. They're so catchy. Mm. They're so catchy. Uh, but they're also. I don't know. Sometimes they t they touch on more serious topics. Like even their most recent record. I I loved it. I thought that new record was great. Yeah, yeah really, really good. Um, I, you know, I, I could talk about Depeche Mode all day, so I best stop. But uh, <laughs> which again, like, I'm not saying that like everything that's, I'm not shitting on top forty. Like, I think there's power in top forty. But what yeah. I am saying is that was my perception before. I was like, fuck that noise. I don't want to be a part of it. And now I'm like, wait, there's power in that. Sure, my budget. I'm like working all my creative endeavors on a shoestring budget and I don't have the sort of funding that, you know, mm. somebody on a major label does, but hopefully, hopefully maybe one day I'm not only maybe like a major label, but on like, Oh yeah. No, well, that, that, label, that would be sick. I, uh, <laughs> one day. I, I predict big things. <laughs> yeah. You got to uh, dream big. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what's the point? Uh, otherwise, otherwise, what's the point? So I know that you're on TikTok and, and you're quite active on that, and you you do seem to have a real grip on like uh, the the online kind of cult social media culture. Like, um, how important is social media to Clippy? Like, because I get the impression it's beyond. It's not just promotion. Mm -hmm. I, I get the, I get the feeling it's a it's 
you're you're utilizing it in a, in a in a way that's um that's an extension of the character. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's like a way to to create more dimensions of the personality that is Clippy, and you know it seems in some ways it's low stakes. Mm-hmm. Like you put out a funny, silly video on Zoom fuck up. Zoom fuck up. Zoom fuck TikTok up. over a thousand views. That's like, that's really great. Cause I still don't understand like why some things like do really well and why others don't, you know, and in some ways it's also like sketches, like performance art sketches, like, Oh, this is a really funny idea. I should do it right now instead of like setting up lights and figuring out the the costumes and doing like some sort of scripted it's more improvised it's definitely improvised performance art (laughs) in some ways which is great because then again low stakes Mm, yeah yeah um do you like do you ever consider about how because i think with with the whole social media thing clippy can there's a certain life uh to them where like uh, it's it's just one on one. If it's just your smartphone, it's quite intimate. Actually, it's quite an intimate. Uh, it's just one one audience member, mm-hmm. especially especially in the last year, because you could you know consensual hits came out in, during COVID. Yeah, and th- there is no there is no live life to Clippy yet, so it's quite a kind of th- there's an intimate arrangement, if you like, between the listener and the and, and and the character. Does that make sense? Yeah, hell yeah, I like I like that interpretation. Yeah, so I, I guess I just I just wonder whether whether that was something is that more of a kind of incidental thing or is that something you actually did uh, kind of, kind of creatively consider? You know, I think I might have. Let me think. Maybe it's a combination of both. Like, I understand the importance of social media to bring more awareness to a character to someone's music to what you're trying to share with the world. But it also shouldn't be something that, because if it is strictly promotional, then you sort of lose the enjoyment of like, even taking the time to be on those platforms. It was kind of both. It was kind of, cause I've been, I've been doing social media for a while now. I've also taken it more of an approach of like, instead of it being purely social, it's like social for Clippy. So I try to post as if I'm Clippy at all times. And actually, Zoom fuck up. Zoom fuck up. Vixines would only post as Vixine, um, which then I think even like from a perspective of like, social media is ruining our like ability to socialize IRL. <laughs> it makes it not feel so, I'm not so stressed out um, about like likes or posts or, or it being circulated for my own personal, very personal identity. But at the same time, like Clippy is really personal to me, like they're really close to me because we're in the same body. I don't know if that made any sense. Well, I don't know whether my question made sense. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) 
no, no, no. I think I think I get what you're saying. It, it, we're talking about very abstract things, aren't we? We're talking about very abstract kind of uh, concepts, and sometimes it's not. It's, you know, it's hard to have a definitive, uh, a concrete answer, isn't it, to these kinds of things? Yeah. You know? But, yeah, uh, and in in some ways, I feel like I've started taking like, in an ironic sense, like me pretending to be a businessman. Like I'm a businessman, and so I'm trying to like make this business grow with certain assets and trying to like, you know, I've got products to sell, I've got assets to show for uh, my advertisement, my you know, my assets are my advertisements for my marketing campaigns. I got campaigns for days, but I'm like pretending, like I use all this vocabulary in both a sincere and satirical way. Cause I'm like, I'm not a fucking, <laughs> like I have all these things in relation to my social media, but it's, I don't know. There's just definitely like, there's a step back where I'm like, it's also like a joke. Yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense. Uh, is there a, is there a there's, there's a new character here? I think I think you I think you've got a fully fledged character here, the businessman. <laughs> I don't know, you know in, in a suit and just kind yeah. of cutthroat corporate kind of no messing about money money chasing. Yeah, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe it's another character also called Clippy, except it's the actual paperclip. Ah, or I've money been thinking clip. about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> a money clip. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that would be so funny. Oh, we, we we just uh, credit just credit me with that one, will you? Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you grew up in Nashville, is that right? I actually grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, which is oh. three hours south. Yeah, um, oh, okay. but I lived in Nashville. I went there for undergrad uh undergraduate school and lived there for a while and then moved to Athens Georgia which is near Atlanta yeah. Georgia yeah, which is yeah. a bigger me- metropolitan city but I was attracted to Athens because there's like a history of music there like REM and the B-52s and Pylon mm. um and like current acts like Kishibashi and of Montreal so it felt like okay I was also accepting this. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so you, you, growing up in growing up in Alabama, uh, were there any scenes at all that you kind of that were formative for you? Were Were there scenes that you're attached to, or that that you know that were a formative part of your musical, you know, or artistic development? I think that mostly happened when I was in Nashville. Like, okay. I think I was too young to be really seeking scenes. I don't know if when you were in high school, if you were, like, going to Zoom fuck up. 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 definitely hang out with people from, like, other schools rather than the one I, w- I was in. But I was primarily, like, doing a lot of after-school activities and sports. Oh, really? <laughs> I was, like, a little... Uh huh. Oh, right. what, I was sport? like on the varsity volleyball. T- uh, volleyball. I played balls on the varsity volleyball team. Oh right. And I also ran track. It's, it's, so it's, yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's it's a funny thing about American culture because uh, the sport culture in America, the kind of the kind of high school 
sport thing. We, we don't really have that over here. There's no, there, there isn't really that same sort of, um, uh, where you know, where you know, like like sports team, sports sort of like teams in like certain American areas. They're they're like they're like they're like stadiums. They're big, aren't they? They're, they're sort of you know, it's a massive part of the kind of community, and you know, you get yeah. Like, yeah, it's just it's just quite it's just quite extraordinary over here. You know, we we just don't have that. You know, but uh, whoa, yeah, that was like so much of uh, so much of what I did, and then I like got to this point where it was my last year of high school, and I was like, "What the fuck am I doing? I don't even like this the mentality. I don't like that there's only one winner. You know, like mm. in the race, I didn't like that." I felt like I never could really relate to any of my like fellow teammates. Just I think because I was just a little different. Um, mm. And I like that there's more flexibility in an art world where there's, I think, multiple people that can be successful. Um, mm. And there's not like some sort of like clear cut um, you're the winner and you're not the winner. Yeah. I've, I've, this is, this is a very subjective opinion, by the way, but in my, mm-hmm. in my, on my perspective, f- f- overwhelmingly, whenever you see like professional sports people chatting away, they're so boring. Oh, really? I don't know. I guess I yeah. haven't watched any. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's like, you know, oh, no. you've had, you had like, <laughs> you did have like, you know, very sort of flamboyant, colorful characters, you know, Maradona, Muhammad Ali, obviously you had all these, you had all these people, but, but for the most part, whenever you, whenever you see uh, post-match interviews with like, you know, sort of like professional athletes, they just got, maybe, maybe it's a British thing, but like, so I think, I'm thinking like sort of British football players and tennis players and uh-huh. just got the, uh, about as, about as charismatic as a, as a, an old sock. Oh, yeah. uh, I guess like all their charisma is like purely in their physicality. Well, that's it. You know it? what but- I mean? That's what I mean. That's what I'm getting to, really. Yeah, like it's all, it's all. Just like I don't know what to say. Like all my energy is like literally in my body. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's why I like couldn't relate. I mean, but it's like I do feel like music and performance. Like what I did learn as a student athlete was like willpower and hard work and taking the time to practice because that practice will lead to higher gains the more you do it. And I think like that, you know, analogously helped me like understand what it meant to be like a visual artist or a musical artist. Um, Cause I kind of had to start from ground, ground one at a, at a later age. Cause I didn't know how to, I started playing bass guitar when I was 17 and taught myself, but didn't start recording until I was 22. So, mm. yeah. So kind of a lot later, yeah, but I don't, right. I don't regret it. Don't, don't listen. Don't, uh, don't regret the, the volleyball team. That's yeah. precious, precious memories. Oh, totally. <laughs> I was pretty good at it too. So coming up to now, so for your song the Notice Me, you've got uh, like a hotline, which I think is a really cool idea. Uh-huh. And actually, do you know what? Going going back to Depeche Mode, actually, I, I know that um, for the for the promotion of Personal Jesus, there was a uh, there was actually a hotline, and you could ring up the hotline and uh, hear Personal Jesus over the phone. <laughs> it's cool, isn't it? 
That is so cool. I yeah, had no yeah. fucking idea. Oh my yeah. God. I wish I could be like Martin Gore, call my number. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you, but I know that also you got the love hearts and you got, uh, there wasn't a talk of an, or maybe you did it, an, uh, an eyeshadow uh, uh, for You See Me single. Um, so I, I guess what, what I'm getting at is, uh, are you precious about... Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh, I think you're breaking up. Yeah, yeah, you did a little bit. The right. eyeshadow? Yeah. Yeah, I've got I've got an eyeshadow palette coming, coming out. We're going to be releasing it in June. I feel like that's a great month mm. uh, to release it. Um, it's going to be really cute. There's like nine really fun colors. And instead of releasing a vinyl record, I'm releasing an eyeshadow palette. Well, well, that's, that, that, that kind of gets to my question is, are, are you particularly precious about the album format? I don't think so. You know, I don't think so. I do understand the, like why people will still buy vinyl or experience vinyl when they listen to music. Cause there is a particular, experience that's different than cd that is different than tape that's different than streaming but i do imagine that our world is moving towards valuing streaming and in some ways like even if you think about youtube like i found so much amazing music through youtube that i would have never been able to find at a record store mm. and i was able to stream it right there so you know when i think of also me as an artist and me as a, a character, like what, what's something more in line to the character of Clippy? And, you know, like I'm also a visual artist. So an eyeshadow palette seems like, you know, it's both talking about identity and, and even like just visual art straight up, like color. Um, so it's, it felt more genuine than releasing a vinyl record, at least in this stage of the games, when I'm, you know, going to be selling it and promoting it when I go on tour, as well as, I don't know, when I'm going on tour, when is that going to happen? I don't know. Um, and that I can also sell online. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, um, I don't know whether you've, I don't know whether you know, but there's a, there's a, an artist actually, uh, they were in Bristol. They're based in, started in Bristol, but now in London. But uh, Lynx. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Don't know Lynx. Right up your street, Clippy. Right, right up your street. Lynx. Do I need to meet Lynx? Well, um, uh, I, oh I my think, gosh, I gotta meet Lynx. Yeah, L L Y N K S. Um, and uh, oh my god, is I, who's Lynx? So, so kind of like a. So in my, in, I did an old Hazel Sticks post on them, and I, 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 I refer to them as a drag grenade. Coolio. Um, and uh, but one of their singles was actually, I believe, a fragrance. It's actually like an aftershave or perfume or something. Uh, that's incredible. Yeah, okay. It, 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 I, I might be. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's right. I might be half. I might be sort of. There might be a bit of a confabulation on my end, but um, uh-huh. but yeah, I, but it just reminded me and, and uh, reminded me a little bit of this this new. So it's almost like a bit of a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just being a bit frivolous, just being a bit carefree with with how you need to be distributing your material, yeah. you know. And I, but I like it. But yeah, yeah, you'd really like links, I reckon, definitely. Yeah, I should, yeah, yeah. I should check them out. It's a. Have you ever listened to the song QT by or the song Hey QT by QT? Uh, no. 
No. <gasps> oh my God. I'm literally obsessed with this song. I think that's actually a really big driving force of like the visual art times, um, music identity. Yeah. I should send you some links, some links. <laughs> um, cause it was, the idea was there would be this pop artist who would sell, uh, this once, or they had this one song, which was basically a really long jingle mm. for their music video, which is actually just a, a commercial for an energy drink called QT. Ah. So there's, and then whenever she would play live, they would just sell these energy drinks, like as if it was sponsored by Red Bull or something. That's cool. I mean, and uh, I was just like, oh my gosh, I think it was released through XL Recordings. Sophie produced it. Oh, really? Um, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The artist's name, her name's Quinn something, but mm. it was her, her abbreviated name, QT. And it had something, it's related to PC music in some way, some form or fashion, and just in that, that, uh, that, that scene. But I was just like, holy crap, this is so cool. And of course, I really f- sort of figured out all the fine details. After after well, Vixine found all this information out after graduating from from uh, the master's program, so didn't get to include it in her, you know. These or I wonder if she did. I don't actually remember. I need to reread it. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, that that sounds really interesting. Um, yeah. How did you get involved with uh, Precious Child, and 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 what was it like working with them? Yeah, so I actually met them on tour. I was opening for them and I sang a cover. So like my old set, I used to sing this cover uh, from Cabaret, Liza Minnelli's um, Maybe This Time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, apparently my performance of that sold it to them that like, I should work with this artist on a record. And so we decided just to do one track, which I sent him some of my stems for Get Over You and we recorded my vocals and figured out how to make it more pop. Cause again, like at the time I was still writing very post-punk driven music and song structures are totally different mm. than that of pop. Even though like in the back of my mind, I was like, I want to make pop music. And Precious was really great at being able to help me learn that and understand that. And I remember we were talking about doing it remotely, but it made more sense for them to come to Athens. And so we recorded first Get Over You and then a few of the other songs like Notice Me and Not For You, um, which I feel like a lot of the recording time was felt very much like preparing and some element of athleticism, but also goofing. Flat, um, these songs in February, which is crazy to think. February 2020. This wow. is like right before I remember like I played a show at this really awesome, what was it? Um, I played a show in Atlanta on the 20 on February 29th. Uh, and that's when they left back for LA. And then, oh my gosh, and then the pandemic, like few weeks later like changed the trajectory of like everybody's lives um but 
our working relationship was really great. Like they're really funny and, you know, I think they're a great producer. Yeah. And uh, they write some scary music. People are like, how is this working? (laughs) Cause like they're scary. And I'm like, kind of like, but I like all that dark shit. I love it. Well, it's funny because I think I, I do think uh, Precious Child's production on on consensual hits, it's yeah, it's pop, but it it, it kind of it's there's a bit of pugilism in there for me I, when I listen to it. I, it's for what? Wait, ha- pugilist. I, I was being a bit pretentious there. Boxing, basically. Oh, okay. It's a bit, it's a bit punchy. It's it's pugnacious. It's it's fizzy. It's got like it it, it does. T- it's tough. It's, it's yeah. got a tough sound, you know. And I think, oh, cool! Um, yeah. And uh, so there is that 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 kind of some of that gritty sensibility uh, definitely is instilled in this. Uh, well, how, how do I describe it? Yeah, industrial with a tacky, with a tacky lacquer. I think is what I said. In, in the yeah, review. yeah. That's, 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 that's to me what it is, you know. Like, but that's that's a testament to Precious Child. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, and I wanted that sound. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to record myself and I'm just using a bunch of distortion and I'm trying to sound hard. Like, I even put out this experimental noise uh, split with somebody. Oh, crap, what was it? It was a label actually out of Denmark. Um, really? Uh-huh. Oh, I, I should send that. that to you, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please, It's Because I love all those sounds. Like, I love Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails, like all of it like mm. even Lil Nas was so smart for listening to fucking ghosts and going I'm gonna write a new melody over this like fucking genius mm. um but like all the sounds that he used actually I think for that first record uh had like a hole like it actually sounded a lot more glossy and pop and when he sent it to the guys that were mixing it they were like nah this needs to be more dirt bro and so they like <laughs> processed it way differently and he's like I guess it's you know and he's like the face of like I would say pop industrial because he like writes a lot of the structures of at least in a like with teeth I'm like these are sort of like elongated pop songs Trent, Trent Messner has a, a an absolute sound understanding of pop and pop hooks and absolutely yeah, yeah. And, but uh, have, you, have you ever actually heard those I think it's um, the bootleg is purest feeling have you ever heard them I don't think I've heard that. So, no. So, the, so they're the original demos uh, that Trent Reznor did himself before Flood, the producer, got hold of them and uh, and made it. It was Flood. Yeah, and made it pretty hate machine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course it was fucking Flood. Like yeah. I love Flood. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, he did uh, Downward Spiral as well, didn't he? I I'm not sure. I, I don't he- know. Yeah, I think he did, but but um, but yeah, but what you're wait, what you're, curious? What, it's called curious. Uh, no, it's called purest feeling. Purest it's like, feeling. It's, it's basically it's, it's the it's the pretty hate machine tracks with with a couple of two ones that they, they never used. Wait, is it orange? Is it yeah, orange? it's like a bootleg orange. Yeah, I um, think I've seen I've heard a few songs like um, that's what you get. Yeah, that's yeah. what I get. No, that's what I get. Yeah, that's what uh, I get. Yeah, that well, that that's on pretty hate machine, isn't it? But but. What, yeah, but uh, when you're talking about these these early the, the early demos that were much more pop, purest feeling yeah. is, the, is the bootleg release of these early re- really early pop uh, sort of like demos, and it's, yeah. just, it's, just, it's, it's fascinating to listen to the the process because uh, obviously we know Pretty Hate Machine is being just this like industrial pop sort of masterpiece, you know. 
yeah. I, I could talk about I could talk about Nine Inch Nails all day as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so cool. I'm yeah. like, holy crap. I know. I'm uh, like, I love Depeche Mode and I love Trent Reznor. Like, <laughs> yeah. Please notice me. Okay, so uh, a major theme across all your all your uh, art and your work, to, to my to my uh, understanding, is uh, the dissolving gender and kind of gender deviancy. Is that's that's why, right, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. So, you know, in, in a more kind of, we're talking more in a socio-political sense now, like how, 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 how is it, is, do you think, do you think this is around the corner? Do you think this is imminent, uh, the, the trajectory and the momentum of, the, of this kind of discourse that we're having? Or do you think this is more, this is like, this is still many, many years, maybe even decades in, in the, in the coming? I think it's inevitable. It's inevitable, I think, it's I don't know there's like some areas of people that I know that it seems to be like very welcomed but it's you know at the same time there's so much pushback and there's so many different bills that are being passed right now that are fucking like like anti-LGBTQ policy that's just insane and so like despite the fact that I would even say like it seems like even conservatives, some conservatives that I know seem to be very welcoming to people with different types of gender. It's still, we still have a long way to go. Though I do think like scholarship from like Judith Butler and, um, oh crap. Uh, trying to think of her name. I totally, totally spacing on, it's a, uh, Keeping with the trouble. Do you know who I'm talking about? Donna Haraway. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I don't. Oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, do you know Judith Butler? Judith Butler. Yeah. Uh, rings. My mind's going a bit blank. I think. Go on. Oh, it's all good. It's yeah, all good. Yeah. Um, she wrote. Uh, she wrote a paper about gender and deviancy and like how it shapes people's perceptions and how to dismantle those sort of perceptions and like gender and sexuality are constructs that we've made up mm. in order to make things simplified. Um, and inevitably there becomes like certain hierarchies or prejudices that, that go in tandem with that. and that's been obviously fucking horrible and finding a new, imagining a new future where none of that existed. Like it's even crazy to like go into a store still and see like, this is the men's clothing and this is the women's clothing as if, as if there isn't another, like why do we even have that division? because there's so many different types of bodies. I don't know. Yeah. Like why, why is it so still or, or like orchestrated around somebody's genitals and then having to align with their gender identity? Cause those things are separate, like gender, sexuality and somebody's sex, like 
they all work together, but they're all separate faculties and there's no sort of like normal type of like lining up, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I, I completely get what you're saying. I think, um, I think there's, there's a, there's a, there's a threatened reaction, isn't there, to, to that, to that discussion being had right now by a certain, yeah. a certain faction who I think have maybe invested far too much of their self-worth into how much they can honour this arbitrary metric or standard of, of what constitutes masculinity or what constitutes uh, tradition, uh, well, femininity in, in, a, in a traditional masculine-approved femininity, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And, then, and, when that, when, and when you're having a kind of reaction against that, uh, a, a sort of a resistance against that, I should say, uh, that must be quite threatening. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, Which sucks. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like it's not because it's not threatening at all. Like I don't know. Yeah, like, and, and also you know, like um, maybe I don't, maybe this sounds a bit glib, but maybe maybe figure out some some other way of of. Uh, constru- have other things to be proud of in your being. Yeah. I, I, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that might sound a bit glib. I don't really know, but um, it's just that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of thinking of the kind of, I'm thinking of the kind of Joe Rogan sort of, sort of uh, bunch, you know, the, the kind of guys that get lost in that world a little bit and the, the red pill world. And I think to myself, you know. Well, what's the red pill world? I know the Matrix, but like, what what happens? I can't remember. Oh, so real real quick, Red Red Pill is a kind of online community of of aggrieved, um, uh, angry, uh, kind of discontented young men who just oh are becoming more and more threatened by by progress by progressive uh, rhetoric and discourse and and, and efforts and uh, uh, are just kind of kind of retreating into this conservative cold. It's like crazy because. Yeah, that, that's that's what Red Pill is. But just real quick, like you know, it's like, uh, mm. you know, maybe maybe it, you might have to actually be a more interesting person than not have to be afforded this kind of cozy ride through life because of the uh, because of the, of the demographic you're, you know, you're you're lucky to be born into. So does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does make sense because then it's like I feel like there's a and this is something that Judith Butler has said too which I like, you know, the right or like, um, white supremacists, like they talk about how they're threatened by all these people with different like, uh, identities. And it's like, oh my God, I'm so tired of all this like identity politics. And it's like, actually y'all have people's own sort of toxic, identity politics that y'all are aligning yourselves with that is exclusionary and abusive. Like, I don't know why and you can't accept difference. Like. Mm. Um, what would you list as your key influences, music or otherwise? Oh, well, I feel like music, it's like Nine Inch Nails and Depeche mm-hmm. Mode. I think those are really strong. 
you know, uh, minimalism, like art movements, like minimalism, conceptualism, Mm -hmm. again, like where the idea is really important or, um, or even like a Dada, which was so great that I feel like a lot of people like being absurd, um, and the performance element. Um, like I keep thinking of like the the Hugo ball, like the iconic Hugo ball and that costume that he made, which is like this very paper looking thing. And he's got like, looks like a, um, like he was performing gibberish at Cabaret Voltaire, which is like, you know, post-punk band that used the same name of a, mm-hmm. of a venue that was um, where performance art data artists would, would perform at. Um, trying to think who else some of the artists in the monumentalist a monumentalist uh, exhibition their work is really funny and satirical and based around assemblage sculpture which in some ways when I'm recording or thinking about my own work it seems very assemblage I don't know if that makes any sense but in my in my head it does to me um, more musical influences a lot of 80s shit. There's a song I've been jamming called the uh, Faces by Chloe. And who produced it? I'm looking it up right now. Roberto Ferrante. I don't know. I don't know him, but... Not familiar, yeah. I don't know either, but the song... Faces by Cleo, so good. I will, I will check out. I lo- I, yeah, I love the '80s. I love gated reverb. <laughs> yeah, right. People are like, "That's so trash," and I'm like, "It's great." I love synths. Um, trying to think. Again, that QT song. Mm. That QT song, <laughs> in and of itself. Um. This is uh, this is less of a question, more of a more of a uh, congrats. But uh, good work for opening for a million Nelson and shit kid because I, I love them. I love them both. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shit kid was was awesome. I was I, they. I was really stoked when they were uh, jazzed with my songs. They seemed like they were really impressed. So I was like, fuck yeah. That's such an endorsement, isn't it? When somebody you admire is complimentary about your work, it's you can't get better than that, can you? You know. Yeah, um, yeah. Wait, who else did you say it was? Uh, you know, Shit Kid, and you know M- Molly Nilsson. Oh, oh my God, I know. Yeah, that's amazing. She's so inspiring. Mm. <laughs> she's so cool. Really original as well. Really kind of like because uh, she's been doing that music for about ten years now. But just that kind of like that sort of like lo-fi, cheap Casio melancholy sound. I, I do feel like that spawned a th- uh, like a thousand kind of mournful sad pop sort of acts that never did it as good as she did you know yeah and uh, she has really good lyrics lyrics yeah. are really fucking good absolutely yeah like um, I, I hope you die i hope you die like <laughs> oh my god the play of words of that is so good yeah. it's also very sad yeah it's great mona, mona lisa smile I, I love that that's one of my favorite songs of hers um what's the lyric People come for miles to see Mona Lisa smile. I don't know. I just realized. Oh, that. that's a good one. Yeah. 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 
Um, any new projects? Anything in the pipeline? And also, it, will there be a return of Adverse at the festival? Oh my gosh! Oh, so Adverse, I think it does have to come back, but I'm trying to see exactly um, how that's going to manifest. Because uh, I'm also in the process of trying to move to Los Angeles, but also super excited uh, for meeting uh, some like-minded artists and being in not the southeast anymore because <laughs> it's much different um so so what's new for clippy clippy's releasing an eyeshadow palette with some commercials some clippy commercials which nice. i think are also part of the art mm-hmm. um those are my assets those are my assets i've got a music video i'm premiering cool. um called high life yeah, yeah, that I think song. is really yeah, yeah. oh thank you the yeah. music video will be really funny I'm a stockbroker um I'm working on a few collabs with some other artists like oh. my friend and buddy Chris song together I think we're trying to release it I think in July but I don't know um and I'm writing some new material right now and I have no idea about how it's funny. It's like, well, if I'm going to say something and then I'm going to say something uh, to follow up. I don't really know still like what is the best way of like releasing music in this day and age in terms of like doing full albums or EPs or singles. But at the same time, I, it's just like, just put out, just put out stuff. But at the same time, you also do need to have some sort of strategy and the strategy insofar as like, communicating with labels etc like that kind of stuff or publicity if you can afford it but like that's there's like some element where I'm like you don't you can't strategize too much or then you kind of like uh you'll stop yourself from releasing good stuff but at the same time like the other side is um if you just keep releasing but without any plan um you're not giving sort of uh you're not fighting for your work in in a way to like give it more visibility so that's that being said working on new music um and i'm feeling really good about some of the sounds that i'm picking up and uh my own producing style Mm. Uh, figuring out how to do that, which I feel really good about. Adverse, so Adverse is going to be releasing a mixtape oh, in cool. the fall. Oh, brilliant! Of yeah, I'll send you one. Oh, if you um, yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, cheers. Uh, of it would be of a uh, up and coming southern emerging southern artists uh that have either played at adverse or are like adverse adjacent or like would have played and i imagine um when live shows can happen again and if i can find a budget it would be nice to re present adverse maybe in la but maybe still in athens that is to be determined um yeah exciting ventures then yeah, a lot oh. of ventures. Me as the businessman. 
You I know still, what I'm saying? I still want to see a character in that. I, I think there's potential there. <laughs> uh, it would right. be fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, last question. Because uh, I, I, I'm, I'm aware of the time. But um, you are called Clippy. Am I thinking that a lot of the inspiration behind Clippy, the name, is because of the Microsoft Office Assistant? Is that correct? Uh-huh. It's, right. uh, yes. <laughs> it sounds good. Can you, can you, t- it does, it does sound good. Yeah. C- can you tell me the other Microsoft Office assistants that came out alongside Clippy? Um, with a, uh, in Windows or? Yeah. Well, I, I only know it from Windows. But... I know there's a dog. Yeah, that's right. I know that there's, there's a, there's a cute puppy. Yeah. I remember I liked the cute puppy. <laughs> and I think there's like an Einstein character. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah. And, there might be a cat, and there's what there's like a few more, but I don't remember them. Well, I, I always as a kid, I always had the robot. <gasps> the robot. Yeah, what was a, what was their name? Robbie. Robbie the robot. <laughs> and oh my was, gosh! Yeah, and there was a giant wizard as well. There was a wizard. Um, wizard. Yeah, yeah. There was a real there were a cast of characters, but uh, yeah, but Clippy's the most Clippy's the one that's sort of seared into our collective yeah. psyche. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it sucks. I'm wondering, like, why? Because you know, it discontinued Clippy because people were just annoyed. So I wonder, like, what made Clippy annoying? I don't know. When I was a kid, I was like eight Mm. or younger. Well, I say for for our generation, Clippy was, and, and and the rest of them were. You know, it was it, it. It made it made IT lessons a lot more fun, or it made computer class a lot more fun. You know, it, it got us through. Yeah. It. it got us through it. You know, but uh, I think I don't know. I I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe Clippy and the Wizard and Einstein popping up and telling you what to do just was was not, they just, adults just weren't down for it. I don't know. Okay, AC uh, Clippy, uh, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. I love this. Yeah, yeah, great. And uh, I <laughs> Thank really you, be- Tom. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. And uh, I look forward to all your future projects and things you're working out. Please do send me a link to your noise project. I, re- I really want to hear that. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think you'd be like, what the fuck? This is silly. But, you know, it's uh, I like sharing the old stuff, too. Yeah, I want to hear it all, man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, AC, Clippy, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I wish you all the best. Uh, thank and, you uh, so much all right all right are you going all to right. the pub tonight are you going to the pub uh I'm, uh my girlfriend's coming over and we're gonna drink wine and uh listen to hell music oh yeah and, uh, just just chill tonight i think i love that <laughs> hell yeah all right um <laughs> yeah yeah brilliant clippy yeah all the best and uh yeah see you around yeah see ya bye time I really, really enjoyed that one. That was great chatting to Clippy. Uh, they're really great getting to know a little bit more about them and and their world. It, it kind of made me want to visit Athens and uh, get stuck into the to the kind of creative community that's happening there. Great stuff. Um, and also uh, the businessman. I like. I, I'm into that. I still like that idea. That's got legs. That one. The the the, uh, the solar suit character could be could be a bit like. Uh, what the thin white duke was to Bowie could be could be the businessman for for, for AC Carter, who knows? But uh, I do apologise for the uh, the Zoom gremlins that were chewing on those wires uh, uh, quite a lot. Um, I'm 
th- I reckon Wi-Fi expander booster thing. That's the ticket, and hopefully I can avoid that. But uh, I don't think it bothered things. Didn't corrupt things too much. But uh, yeah, there is there is some Zoom fuck ups. What what what, what can I say? Uh, do make sure you listen to Consensual Hits, Clippy's debut album. Uh, I loved it. It's uh, in the running for one of my uh, one of my favorite albums of the year, and certainly is a contender for the official 2021 Heads on Sticks roundup. Uh, out but, uh, with Pop Nihil, who's also a great record label. Big thanks to uh, uh, well, big thanks to uh, AC Carter for giving me their time. Uh, much appreciated. Um, and big thanks to Jane uh, Mendenhall from this this uh, Dirtbag Distro who does the artwork. Uh, he'll always be doing the artwork, and uh, yeah, that's all great stuff. Uh, all the usual stuff: follow, like, subscribe. My um, my email is tom at headsonsticks.co.uk if you want to message me and you know about anything that's on your mind really or anything about the the, the podcast or whatever whatever you like whatever you like. Um, I've been Tom. I've been the head. You're, you've been listening to the second episode of Heads on Six Chats. Do tune into the next one. Rock and roll. All the, all the best. Angels anybody. Bye.